in Nottingham, a very significant thing happened for the Vineyard Movement. It was um, the official handover of leadership, a leadership of the movement from John and Ellie Mumford um, to John and Debbie Wright. Now, this is the first time this has happened in our movement here in the UK, and it was a really significant and fantastic time. And you can go onto the website and watch um, you know, the live stream, and you can see how that all, how that all happened. Um, the reason it's really significant, um, and it was a real celebration, is because when John and Ellie first came here, uh, they were from here and then they went to the uh, United States and they in turn studied with John Wimber in Anaheim and they came back and planted, um, I think, the first vineyard church in the UK. This is the late 80s, 87, 88. So 25 years of church planting uh, in the UK and really we've only just started. But it's a wonderful story of what God's done. And um, uh, as John and Debbie take that over, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, fresh Uh, vision and initiative to kick on uh, with that. And Chris and Maggie, who are here today, have been very much part of that journey for many of those years. They've played a significant role in that. And by way of introducing them, um, these guys have been around church leadership for over 25 years. They started out in the proper and established Church of England, um, but soon fell into the deeply suspect and highly subversive vineyard uh, movement. Um, These guys have been on the national leadership team for a number of years, um, as well as they play all sorts of roles, um, leadership roles, oversight roles, uh, regional oversight roles. Currently, um, they're overseeing and coordinating missions partnerships, which means going to other countries and uh, training and raising up leaders there. It's countries like the Andes and Peru and various other places. Um, but what I wanted to say about Chris and Maggie is um, that I've kind of known about them for a long time, ever since I came into the movement. And these are people who have not been afraid to move and follow what God is doing. They've moved locations, they've moved cities, they've moved houses, they've moved churches a number of times to either become leaders or to establish churches. And probably perhaps one of the most significant ones was the West Suffolk Vineyard, which these guys planted in 2000 and handed over leadership of in the last year or two. Um, So as well as being wonderful, wise and godly leaders, they're also people who've raised up other leaders. Have you ever counted how many churches have been planted because of you guys? A number? At least 10? I have no idea. Something like that. But it's, it's, a, load of, it's a load of them. And so um, we're delighted that they're here. And Chris um, is going to share with us this morning um, a little bit of that story and a little bit about what God is talking to us um, and how we see this thing, church planting, and how that works in the movement. But I'd love you just to welcome them Thank as you. Chris comes today. Thank you. The stool is because I broke my foot over the summer and it's still sort of a little bit painful. So just in case I topple over, I've got something to topple on too. No, I don't want that. Um, It's great to be here. We first came to Winchester Vineyard back in the 90s when Hugh and Jenny were planting. We attended something, Winchester College is it? Uh, In the lecture theatre there? University. University, wherever it was. It's great. And then uh, Hugh and Ginny... um, oversaw us for a little while as we church planted and it's been great uh, to see a wonderful transition here and you've got fantastic pastors in Nigel and Joe and it's fun to be with you today. Nigel has asked me to talk a little bit about church planting so if we could have our slides up there we go, Uh, vineyard church planting and I'm going to speak a little bit about that Uh, but just before I do that just as we were listening to the prayers you know One of the prayers, I don't know which one it was, was praying about the children who are migrating in the largest exodus of people since the Second World War. 
And I heard the other day that one in four of those children are going unaccompanied by their parents. So from Syria, Afghanistan and these places. So that really struck me as that prayer was prayed, that we should really hold on to asking God to help these guys and to be with them and and to stand against the fears that we see and the anxieties that we see um, with these people coming. I know there's a tension there for some of us. And, um, but as I think about one in four children unaccompanied, walking thousands of miles, then we need to be remembering to pray for them. So thank you for, for that, just for helping me to remember that. Vineyard Church Planting. Well, it all began for us in 1984. And actually, this is a picture of Wimber talking in 1984. And there we are. There's me and Maggie just sat there. Um, I'm, I'm leaning forward because by this moment, I think God had got hold of us. And the thing that I learned, it's far too long a story to tell here, but the thing that um, really happened for us was that I learned that the church is dynamic. You know that old nursery rhyme, here's a church, here's a steeple, you know, open the doors, see all the people, it's completely wrong. The church is moving The church is alive. And the way that I see this this morning is that God puts his spirit into the church, so the church is like us breathing together. God is so close to us this morning that he's as close to you as the air you're breathing into your lungs. And he knows all about you, all about the stuff you're involved with, all about the disappointments, all about the opportunities and the triumphs. He knows everything there is to know. And he knows that some of you here are to hear a message today about church planting that will change your life, as it changed mine. I never knew about church planting until I came into the vineyard. What does a dynamic church look like? I could come here, I could come to Winchester Vineyard, and I could illustrate why this church is a dynamic church. But let's not do that. Let's go to Antioch. Here it is, sometimes called Syrian Antioch. Here is Cyprus here. This is the eastern Mediterranean shore, and here's Antioch. And we're going to look at what a dynamic church looks like. Should we do that together? If you have a Bible, it's good to open it up or to turn it on, (laughs) however you do that. But we're going to just look at some passages of Scripture, really from Acts 11, 12, and 13, just taking some, some little photographs, really, of what the church in Antioch was like. And to realize that it's an incredibly dynamic place. So let's, let's read this together. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, naughty people, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this bit of a crisis actually, reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. 
During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. This is a dynamic church. So what are the characteristics of that dynamism that we see? First of all, whatever was going on in their life they shared about Jesus. The fact that, that Stephen had been killed publicly, stoned to death, was a huge shock wave that went through the church and persecution began. But whatever the circumstances, these guys shared the gospel. And some of them shared it with Greeks. That's a stunning thing. Up until this sort of time, it was thought that only the Jews would be part of the church. And so sharing that with, sharing the gospel with Gentiles was a, an incredibly uh, bold move. But if it hadn't happened, we wouldn't be sat here today. So very dynamic ministry. Crossing social and cultural boundaries. You know, again, think a little bit about this. We're going to talk about who made up this church in a minute. But just... Just the fact that they were pressing through into a a Greek society where they had no food laws, they had no ritualistic laws, they had no real sense of how to worship God. They just pushed into that society to bring them the gospel. Letting the Father bring the growth. Do you notice that? Great numbers of people came to the Lord. The Lord brought those people into the church. And one of the things I want to get across to you today is that whenever you do anything for God, it will always produce fruit. It always produces fruit. No one can do anything for him without there being fruit. It just naturally happens. The Christian gospel always bears fruit. Christian people always bear fruit, even if it's just knowing your neighbor knowing that you're a kind and gentle person. It always bears fruit. Building and training teams. Do you notice this? Young people like John Mark gathered up. Saul gathered up into the ministry by Barnabas. He was a great team builder, and this is what this church was about. Relying on the Spirit. Notice that they, they put all their success down to the Holy Spirit. It's not down to their, you know, gifting necessarily, or whatever we call it today. It was the Spirit of God moving upon them that did the work. Reaching out with compassion to people. Now notice, this gift they, they gather up is by, sent by a Gentile church to the Jewish church. What an act of reconciliation between the great cultural divide in the Christian church, that they would help their Jewish brothers who were poorer than they were. A very diverse group of people, we're going to talk about them in just a moment. A very diverse group, and also a, a people who are spiritually 
uh, disciplined. They were fasting and praying in our passage. They knew all about the spiritual disciplines, disciplining their bodies so that their bodies would do as they'd been told and go out and share the gospel. So a very quick look. You can look at these verses and you can find them and it will help you to see what a dynamic church Antioch, the Christian church in Antioch was. And then they start church planting. And so here is the, the little map. Here's Antioch, out to Salamis, to Paphos. You can't quite see it there. Over into what is now modern-day Turkey and back again, Paul's first missionary journey. Church planting. Church planting. And that's really what I want to talk about you and me and us today and how we do that in the vineyard and why we do it. Why do we church plant, first of all? Well, we are following a biblical model. We are following a biblical model. Paul and Barnabas, taking John Mark with them, were out to start new Christian communities. And they were there to do this because they needed to capture a whole generation for Jesus. The truth is, the vineyard is here, not necessarily as a long-term enterprise. It might end up like that. But John Wimber, I remember John Wimber saying many, many times, he had no idea what the future held for the vineyard. The vineyard was a vehicle for this generation. For those of you who are alive, young and old today, in this, in this generational gap, this is where we are serving. We are here to reach our generation in ways that may be sometimes more traditional churches would find challenging to do. We are here to make it an easy way in for people to hear the gospel and receive Christ and have their whole life changed. So we're here for this generation. We are to reach every community. Now this is the challenge. Every community. When we first went to West Suffolk Vineyard, we were the only vineyard in the county of Suffolk and we were one of pretty well two vineyards at that time in the whole of East Anglia. You know, and so we had quite a, a job to do. We had quite a job to do. Every community, we, we have a little saying in our, in our church where we're still sort of attached at the moment. Um, we have a saying which is, we want to plant a vineyard in every community that can sustain one. In every community that can sustain one. And that's challenging in small villages. And in fact, Winchester is very like Barry St. Edmunds. You are very much a, a centre. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But you're a centre. Um, we're surrounded on a medieval village plan around the medieval town and cathedral. And that's just what we are. So there's a challenge sometimes. How do we reach villages with Jesus? How can we form communities for the vineyard out in the rural parts of some of our counties? And that's a real challenge for us in East Anglia because many of our people live out in village communities. Uh, reaching every people group. Let me just dig into that a little bit in Antioch. Notice, notice John Mark, young guy, very, very young. Maybe the guy who runs away naked in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, teenager, but is gathered up into ministry. Manane brought up with a tetrarch, an aristocrat. Alongside Simeon called Najer, who's black, from Africa. And also Saul, the Pharisee and theologian. What an incredible group of people. So the church is meant to be very, very diverse. So when we see a diverse church, we should rejoice because that's what, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Okay, how can we not share what we have? That's what drove these people on. They just gossiped the gospel in the communities they went to and formed new communities. So why? That's why. 
So what is a church plant? A church plant is a new local community of faith. So when they went to Cyprus, the intention would be to start off in the synagogue with those who understood about God. But actually, as you see eventually in the scriptures, they moved out of the synagogue context and out into a Greek world where they just established communities. And these communities were potential parents and grandparents. So a church plant is not just there for its own sake. A church plant, and this may be challenging for Winchester Vineyard, a church plant and church is there to become a parent. Childbearing in the vineyard is completely natural. Do you hear what I'm saying there? Childbearing is a natural part of the process of being a church. That's what we believe in the vineyard. And then that, uh, that child will have its own children. So we've got vineyards in the country today that were planted 25 years ago, several, several parental generations back, which is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And that's how, it's, that's how we're going to reach the UK. I've always loved the vineyard genetic code and the things that we value and the, the things that are important to us because I really believe those things have the power to change our nation. It's not that we should throw up our hands as we look at the news and say, oh, what a terrible world. It's No, we should throw up our hands and say, oh, God, help us to change this nation, to make it a gentler, kinder, better place to be for all. So this idea of parents and grandparents is built into who the vineyard is. Reaching the lost and wandering. Just notice, Barnabas goes to Tarsus, which is a little bit of a journey across the sea, or maybe around the top of the Mediterranean to get there, finds Saul, who by this time has had his life blown up and blown apart by the Holy Spirit, gathers him up and takes him back to Antioch to help him teach. Gathers up this theologian, gathers up this enemy, former enemy of the faith, gathers him up so that he might also play a part. And you know, the truth is that there are people out there who need to be sat on these seats this morning. And there needs to be churches out there where we have other seats, plastic ones probably, (laughs) where people need to sit. And we need to gather up different members of our community that Nigel and Joe will never be able to reach themselves, but you can reach through your network of relationships in the community. So a church plant is a community of faith, a potential parent and grandparent, reaching the lost and the wandering like Saul was at that moment, changing families' whole generational lines. Think about that. The father and mother of a a family become Christians and their children become Christians too. I love this little bit here. Did you notice this? 13.1, we hear about Lucius of Cyrene, But we know that Simon of Cyrene carried Jesus' cross, don't we? A pilgrim, a Jewish pilgrim to the city in Jerusalem during the crucifixion carried Jesus' cross from the town of Cyrene. And here we see a relative, maybe. A spiritual son, almost certainly. So in a sense, the church is transforming whole families and generational lines are transformed as families become close to Jesus. When should we church plant? This is important. As we're called to. As we're called to. You cannot church plant unless you've been called. But there's two things here going on. Again, in West Suffolk Vineyard, we talk about those who are called to stay in the church. 
And there are going to be many, many people here this morning who are called to stay exactly here and to help Nigel and Joe build this church to be a large regional church that will resource other churches. Now, you know, Nigel and Joe, area leaders here, and they're already doing that. And that's it, because you are here to help them build ministry so that this church can become a resourcing centre for the whole of this central part of the UK. So there are people who are called to do that. But guys and girls, there are also people here called to go. And who have a restlessness sometimes in their spirit. And the, the art here of discernment is to know whether that's a restlessness just because you're restless or whether you're restless because the Lord is calling you to go. And John Wimber used to say, um, God speaks in a whisper, half a whisper. <laughs> and it's, it's good, it's good, because he does, doesn't he? But we have to be alert to that. As we're called to go, we'll come back to calling in just a moment. When should we church plant? When we have softened, willing and broken hearts for God. You know, the dangerous thing is, I could have planted a vineyard in 1988-89. I was ready to do it, but the vineyard weren't ready. They weren't planting in the UK at that time. I could have grown a crowd of people, but it wouldn't have been a church. My heart had to be gone through a whole process of brokenness before God, before I could even start to think about serving him in that way. Otherwise, it just ends up as a rather ugly-looking thing rather than the beautiful thing that it's meant to be. So you know what I'm talking about. If, if you're one of these people who may be called to go this morning, you know what I'm talking about. You've already maybe half heard that maybe this is for you and it terrifies you. And you also know that you've got to change before you can do it. And that's true. Softened, willing, broken hearts. When we sense God's call, chapter 13, verse 2, do you notice that? They'd sense God's call, and so they were willing to go. We have to sense God's call. That pull on your heart, that actually it won't be enough to get into heaven and say, well, I stayed when I should have gone. And in a sense, we went to church plant because we knew that if we didn't, if we didn't, we would always regret it. When I got to 70 or 80, I would always regret that I had not done what, maybe what I felt the Lord was calling me to do. It was much safer not to go. Much better in so many ways for our family not to go. But I'd have always regretted it. Where should we church plant? Well, notice what they did. Somewhere familiar is good. Notice that they go to Cyprus. Now, we hear again in the Acts of the Apostles earlier that Barnabas was from Cyprus. That was his native territory. He knew it like the back of his hand. He probably knew all the synagogues. He knew all the people. And so he wanted to go home to take the gospel home to his people. So that's always a very good place to start. As directed by the Holy Spirit, notice again that 13.4 They felt directed to do this. And sometimes we get a very clear picture. When we went to West Suffolk Vineyard, we had, I think, something like 20 prophetic words given to us that that's where we should go. Maggie had a a picture in her mind, I think it was a dream, of, of a great light right in the heart of East Anglia. And we had to go to the map to see where it was. And it was Bury St Edmunds where we ended up going. So we had lots of indications as to where we should go. 
But also, you know, you have to use your reason and your intellect. Use the brain that God has given us as to where we should go. Let me give you, again, a West Suffolk example. There's Barry St. Edmunds in the middle. And we were looking for what we call star towns. Towns, ancient towns often, regional centres where road systems travel along, making this star pattern. If you could draw it on the map, that's what you would see. So that's always a good place to go. People are travelling in to this place already. They do their shopping there. They have their entertainment there. Notice that the roads are different sizes slightly. So this is a thin one. A very poor road, actually. This one in the winter is also pretty poor. But this is the A14. And this is the, um, the route up to, from, up to Norwich up here. So in 2011, so this would be 11 years after we started, we did a survey of where everyone was coming from. We found that quite interesting. So these are all the villages from which people in, from West Suffolk Vineyard were drawn. Not the town. This, we had lots of people in the town by then. But these are all the villages people came from. And notice that there's not much out here because of that rather poor road. And there's also not much down here because of this poor road. It's very practical. Moving out a bit, you'll see that people were coming to us from Norfolk, Cambridgeshire almost. At one point we had people coming from Huntingdon here, down to Ipswich here. But 45 minutes on a fast road was the absolute limit. If you lived more than 45 minutes away, we found that you were likely to stay in the church around about two years and then you would leave. You wouldn't do more than that. Now this, this was educative for us because then we could plant churches. First of all in Sudbury, then in Kings Lynn, then in Peterborough, then in Ipswich and we're about to put a second vineyard into Cambridge. We also did one in Worcester, but that's rather a long way away. But that was, we thought, a good start. And those churches, except for King's Lynn, are still going strong and doing well. King's Lynn went for a few years and then closed. So we've got some more work to do up in the northern part of East Anglia. But you see how it's quite logical, really. Find out where people are coming from. Work out how to reach those communities better. Find couples who God is calling to go and send them out into the community to church plant knowing that together we will bring many, many, many more people into the kingdom than simply if we were to have just one church sitting in the middle of Bury St. Edmunds. Do you see? Winchester. (laughs) I've only got one slide for you. It's this one. There you are, sitting in the glorious county of Hampshire. Here we go. Wonderful place. The population of Hampshire is 1.32 million from the 2011 census, a 6.3 increase since 2001, including Portsmouth and Southampton. The population is 1.76 million people, of which, in 2001, about three quarters said they were Christians, or at least culturally see themselves in that way. So that's a great start, isn't it? I... uh, I took the liberty of looking up all the statistics for the churches. And if you just take the ones in here, where something in the vineyard, just under 500. If you take the whole of the south coast, looking at Chichester, where the new guys are, right across down on this map here, it's more like just under the 1,000. 
but there's a great job of work to be done here, isn't there? How can we not share what we have? So, I'm not wanting to steal uh, the thunder of the guys who are coming uh, next week, Matt and Katie Faulkner. And when they come in, you know, to church, will you give them a big cheer? Because every one of these guys is an absolute hero. Thank you to Mr. Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks for saving Private Ryan for my slides here. Every one of these guys is a hero, about to land in the film on Omaha Beach. And uh, if you were to count them, you'd find there's 17 here and one driver. Every one of those is a hero. And I want to suggest to you that every single person who goes out to church plant in the vineyard is a hero. It doesn't matter to me whether they go for six months and it doesn't work, six years and it does work a bit, or 60 years and it works really well. They are absolute heroes, in my mind. Every single couple, every single member of their team, everyone who will go and give up all that they know to do this extraordinary thing of church planting. You start off with your team, and if, you, if you're sensible, you take a team, and if you're sensible, you train the team as to what it might be like when you hit the beach. It's always a good idea. And then you landfall. You're out there on the water just about to hit, so there's an enormous amount to do. You've got to find new schools for your children, which are reasonable. You've got to find new relationships for yourself in the street where you suddenly place yourselves. You've got to work at your new job. When I went to Barry St. Evans from Riverside Vineyard in London, um, I decided I would do nothing for the church for six months, just trying to understand how to do my job, my secular job that I had to get some money from. So there's masses to do. And then you hit the beach and you begin to make a a bit of an impact in the community. You begin to settle down. You begin to adapt to the different living in a completely strange and different community than the one you've known maybe for years. When we left to go to build West Suffolk, we were hundreds of, a hundred miles away from our sending church. And that was a challenge. Nowhere else to go. You establish a beachhead. God bless the guys that stayed with us to establish the beachhead. We, it took us about 18 months to get to 50 people. And we, we established something. We established some groups. And then eventually after 18 months or so with 50 people, we started celebrating on Sundays. And then you start moving out. Growing ministries, impacting your community. Here are some things to, to think about. There are about 115 vineyards in the UK today. Actually, I think it's 116. On average, it's taking three to four years to reach 50 people. One key factor is the experience of the lead couple. So if they're well experienced, you do better. Another is the size of the team. The bigger, the better. The more people you can take who will commit to this project, the better statistically that it goes. John Wimber said... (laughs) Only do this if you can do no other thing. (laughs) It's good advice. But the question is, can you do something else? And stay true to what you feel the Lord is calling you to do. I want to tell you Mark and Louise's story here. This is such a good story. Let me tell you this. The first time they came to us, we had been going about... 
You know, it was about eight months, maybe a bit more. And they turned up to a Christmas party, friends of somebody else on the team. And I stood talking to Mark for quite a long time, calling him John. <laughs> so not, not a very good start, really. But they didn't live very far away from where we lived in Barry St. Edmund, so they came to a barbecue that we had in our house months later. It would have been, oh, months, months later. They came to a summer barbecue and sat down with us and we chatted together. They came eventually to our monthly celebrations that we were starting to run at that point. And we were so pleased to see them. And then they came to Jesus. Now, and that was messy. Louise would say, they always used to sit on my right-hand side here. And this was the place in our church where everyone always cried. They cried when they came in. They cried all through the worship. They cried through the notices and then through the preach. And then they wiped themselves down and their mascara, put it all back together again and left. And that's, I don't know why God did that just on this side, but he always did. They came to Jesus. They came to be baptized. Wonderful. We had a baptism of about... I think it was about 12 to 15 people that day and they were one of the couples that came forward. And then they brought their baby daughter for dedication. And this is why I'm telling you the story really because after quite a long time of being bivocational, the reason I think people get sick is that it's just such a manic, full-on life doing two or three jobs and looking after your family. But they came and then after we'd finished the how to get your baby dedicated talk by me in the house, we were leaving and just as we were going down the, the front path, it was dark, they stood under the lamp, under the lamp of their door and, and Louise said, Chris, just before you go, I thought, okay, what's this? And she said this, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming to Paris and Edmonds. It's changed our lives. And the truth was it had. It had. They were completely different people than the people we first met. Hung, they were hungry and searching for Jesus. And, and somehow that had happened, and they were just so grateful. And the funny thing is that Jack, their son, I remember he started in, in our kids' work, and on the first day Maggie was with him, he, and he just looked really sulky and had his arms folded, and he said, I want you to know, I don't believe in God. And now Jack's just become one of our interns, which is great. But something else about these guys too. Um, 18 to 20 months ago, we handed over the church to them. So they're the new senior pastors. And just over um, a year ago, they took on leading the vineyard area for East Anglia. Do you see how this works? That if you have enough faith, just Jesus says, the faith is as big as a grain of mustard seed, anything can happen. Has our church plant been a success? That's what I think about when I think, yes, it has. Because someone's life has been changed forever. Their whole family line changed forever. Their whole way of being changed forever. And they are there in eternity with us. That's what church planting is about. The thing is, it's quite a risk, isn't it? John Wimber used to say, you've probably heard this many times, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. So are you called to stay? Or are you called to go? Should we stand together?
think they stand. Five minutes. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful church. It's, it's such a privilege, Lord, to be here. It's such a privilege to listen to the worship and the, to sense the whole congregation loving you, honoring you today. We're grateful for this church, for those who founded it and those who lead it now. And I'm grateful for every single person here today, none of which are here by accident. And Lord, I pray now that as we pray for one another and give that opportunity for prayer, we, I pray that your spirit will be hovering over us and upon us. Now guys, we're going to leave a bit of silence here. So I just want you to be really still and allow God to come and bless you. I invite you to close your eyes, to hold out your hands that you might expect him to come. Touch your body and your heart and your mind and your spirit. But let's be still and quiet now. It's going to be quite a while, so just go with it. Just something here that the Lord's saying to me that age is no bar. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Some of our churches were planted by people in their teens. Lord, I pray for your spirit. Increase your spirit upon us now today. I can see the spirit resting on a number of people around the room. And if that's you, just say yes to whatever it is the Lord has for you today. Just say yes to him. If you're unfamiliar with this, then just don't worry. Just go with the flow. The Lord is not going to do anything and we're not going to do anything to you that you haven't given permission for. So just be at peace. There's someone here today who has felt that restlessness in their spirit and wondering whether their career is the right thing for them or whether the Lord has something different. And as I'm speaking, you know this is you, okay? You don't have to work that feeling up. You just know that it's the case. And I'd just love you to ask God now. Begin to ask the Lord, show me, Father, what you want me to do. I had a sense during the worship that this church is a place where uh, people can come and be healed. Healed up, not just physically, but spiritually too. And I would like to, um, to consider two groups of people there. I'd like you to be asking the Lord, Am I meant to be playing a part in that? What part do I have to play in helping others become the people that the Lord wants them to be? But also there are those who perhaps are in a vulnerable and broken place. 
you may have been in this church for a while, but it's just that that's your circumstances now and that you would like some help. And so I would encourage um, those people and anyone who may be related to what Chris said to start coming forward now. Don't, don't hesitate. Just start to come straight away. So if you feel that you are, there's a restlessness in your spirit or anything that has been said in the talk today um, that you would like the Lord to help you with, just start to come. Just start to come forward. That's right. That's right. I encourage you to start coming. Um, it's a hard thing to step out of your row, but it's a great place to start. Yeah. A life of risk. And for some of you, um, we've, we've talked about children, we've talked about young people, and we've heard today about that family heritage thing. And you would like... To be the people in your generation that start this family heritage, maybe your parents here and you of young children and you haven't had that in your, in your parental family, but you want to make a difference. You want it to be different from now on. I think there might be some of you who are from broken families whose parents maybe were divorced and you want to say to the Lord, that is not going to happen from now on. The Lord, the Lord being my helper, this is going to be different. I want you to make it different. So if that's you, start to come. Um, there's people already up here. Let's not leave them now. If, if you are the one of the people who pray in this church, start to come. Let's get at least two people around each of these people here. Um, now, as you pray for these people here, several things are going on. You could ask them what they've come for, and that's one way of doing it. Or you could ask the Lord what they've come for. Or you could do both. Ask them what they've come for. Ask the Lord what he thinks they've come for. And then begin to pray prophetically. For them. That's right. So just take this opportunity. If the Lord's been touching you and you're not even sure what about, why don't you just come out now? There's plenty of room. There's a nice gap over there. You don't even have to squash into this space to your right over by those doors there. There's a nice space there too. Just come. It may be your call to go, then just come and get some prayer. But it may be your call to stay and are saying, okay, what is my place here, Lord, then? I feel I'm called to stay and I know that if that's true, you have some, something for me here, but I'm not quite sure what that is. Or maybe it's a change. Come, get some people to pray with you about that. This is your opportunity. And if you don't feel that it's for you today, come and start praying for these people. There's still some waiting. There's some ladies here right in the middle. Come and pray for them. Is there someone here this morning who has a, a health issue? Something to do with their spleen. I'm afraid I don't know much about spleens, but you probably do. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Um, I, I just have a sense too that um, when Chris was showing those slides about the battle and the, forming the beachhead, the fact of the matter is that when, the, when you pick up that machine gun, when the law puts that machine gun into your hand, you are a target for the enemy. This is a spiritual battle. And it may be you've been feeling that, the effects of that. It may be through sickness, 
It may be through trouble. It may be through something in your spirit. But if that's you, if you've been feeling that spiritual battle, then come and ask people to pray for you. Now, there's some of you out there in the seats that are just engaged with God, and that's a wonderful thing. So can I invite the others just to turn and look around? If you see the Spirit of God resting on someone, just go ask if you can lay a hand on them and bless what God is doing this morning. You haven't been certain enough about things to come up, but you don't have to miss out on anything here today. And if you're new here, maybe you've just come for the first time or the first few times and you don't really feel that you know Jesus yet, don't know him in the way we're talking about, but would like to stay, take another step towards him, then do ask someone to pray for you. Either come up here or just turn to somebody near you, somebody who looks like they might know what they're doing and uh, ask them to pray for you. They'll get somebody else if they're not very confident. Let's just minister to one another now. That's what this is about. This is ministering the Lord's blessing, the blessing of the Holy Spirit to one another. We're just the midwives. going to continue to pray for all those down the front and if you're praying wherever you are as well just you know just do push into that um if you're not praying and you need to uh, and you've got kids upstairs or in the back please feel free to go and um and uh, retrieve them and do uh to also encourage the thank with the teams that have been uh, leading your kids this morning there'll be coffee in a couple of minutes as well but don't rush away from what god is doing I'm just going to kind of close officially. Holy Spirit, thank you for your ministry among us here. Thank you for the words that Chris and Maggie have shared today and all that you're doing here. And we pray your blessing on each of us and all that you're doing. Pray that you would continue to push in and, uh, and lead us and guide us. And for those of us who are heading off to do various things today, we pray that you'd um, just be with us to enjoy a great day, enjoy the, the weather and time together. Just thank you in Jesus' name.